lost my own. <clears throat> Welcome back to another episode of It's a Debate with your favorite girls, your favorite crew, your favorite Houston sister circle from Howard University. For those of you who are listening for the first time, this is a podcast with seven friends, six present today, who are all met at Howard University. And when COVID hit, we realized that a way to keep ourselves together and to document a whole bunch of foolishness would be to start a podcast. So that's what this podcast is. It's a debate. Uh, who do we have with us today? Hey, y'all. It's Alana. Hey, it's Christy. Hi, it's Lindsay. Age. What now? It's, <laughs> what happened? It's Tenna here because we're still going. <laughs> All right. <Tenna. laughs> Okay, so um, our hot topic for today is what is your favorite Black brand or your favorite um, Black experience? So even if you can't come up with a Black brand, what is something that Black people, may not be Black known, but Black people use all the time and you just genuinely appreciate? Mm. Anybody want to start? I would like to start. This is um, Tenna here. And I have two favorite black brands. Hopefully I'm not stealing them. Number one is of course Crafted Soul Doi by our podcast mate, Alex. She always has great cocktail ideas. She also hosts events, parties, weddings, whatever. And I cannot wait for her to come out to Texas and host a welcome back to adulthood party for me after I deliver this baby. And then my second favorite black brand is, might be out of business. You know how you find a business and you love it. And then it's like, as soon as you get into it, they disappear. Well, that's Body Roll Approved because Body Roll Approved <laughs> used to get me with the smoothies all the time. I don't know where she's at, wow. but this is Body Roll Approved. If you're out there, the people want more smoothies, okay? That's I mean, it. I know it's not time for the uh, debate, but is there a rebuttal in the room? Is, is, no. there, is there a response? Do we have a response from Mrs. Bumbleproof herself? You know what? You're not the first person, friend. So I do appreciate it. That's going to motivate me to get back together in 2023 because body roll approval is really just about the experience. You want to eat healthy, and healthy can be fun. So. I, I'm going to take on that challenge and uh, maybe my good sister who misses it will be one of my lead, lead, lead supporters as she always is. Absolutely. And, and, and on this word of encouragement, I would just like to say body roll approved. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of living. It's not just a smoothie. So you could literally body roll approve anything. You could body roll approve clothes, shoes, oh. face care, food. Okay. We just want to know if you approve. Okay. Come on, project expansion. <laughs> well, let me jump in real quick with one revelation that I had about a um, Black-owned brand. And then I'll come back later with who I actually support. But I just found out, thanks to TikTok, that the brand... E-N-Y-C-E. Do y'all remember that brand? Aniche. 
Aniche, Aniche. <laughs> as, as Black folks would call it, is actually NYC. Yeah, Look at the that. word. It's E-N for N, and then the Y, and then C. And then the C-E for C. Oh. So it's NYC. It's a New York brand. Black-owned. But why were we calling it Aniche? Because we take family votes, okay? And if we decide the rules are different, <laughs> then the rules are different. We have had this argument with the creators of Uno for a while now. We Once we get a hold of it, we do what we want with it. And if we want to call sure it Aniche, because in New Orleans, Louisiana, it was pronounced Aniche. I'm pretty sure in New York, it was called Aniche too. The girl was from New York who was talking about it. I think it's a Diddy. I think it's Diddy's brand, honestly. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it's actually NYC. For the folks so in the back of the an abbreviation. It made it longer. It made it. <laughs> and are mad at me because I didn't get the short form. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's just making sure that's what happened there. More or less, yes. Just wanted y'all to know. That's crazy. <laughs> um, while Tiani was talking about us taking games and making it our own. Oh, I'm sorry. Alana, did you go? Sorry, y'all. I'm going to stop doing that. But <laughs> <laughs> I said I was going to come back. I just had to drop that nugget. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, so my favorite Black experience is game nights. Um, and I don't know if this is Black-owned, but there is a game called Out of Bounds, and it is the Negro Taboo. And we already do too much when we're playing Taboo. <laughs> so when you're trying to get the word let out from the club, or, you know, insecure the show. It's just blackness at its peak. And I love it. Mm. I have to add that to my collection. Mm -hmm. Hey, do you know where we can purchase that? Uh, let me see. Okay. So are the categories just more like black. geared towards our culture or are the rules a little different too? The, uh, the no, it's just like all black things. Um, the details of the game says out of bounds adds black culture and flavor to a classic party game of guessing. That's like an updated version of taboo. Yeah. Okay. So, so it sounds like it'd be a, a great game. Yeah. Okay. Should I go next? Maybe we'll get a sponsorship from that game. Look for the link in the it's a debate bio. Okay. Now, my favorite Black experience is always, we always gather together in times that should really probably be sad or thoughtful. And guess what we always end up doing? <laughs> Cracking jokes. <laughs> Reminiscing on the good times. That is my favorite Black experience because even though we're all different there are always things like commonalities between the stories like just how you grew up and so I just want the, the one that I really do enjoy is like the ones that have made you mad in the moment but then you go back and you end up you're like just dying laughing on the floor and then I think there was another one that passed on social media this week how like it said we'll talk about people based on what they wear like oh okay sweatshirt 
Mm. Yes. <laughs> Knowing that we don't mm, that sweatshirt. Take it back. But like we'll just be clowning. And if you my mm-hmm. friend, you my friend. So we're gonna clown and joke on each other all day and then be like, and if you ever look, people on the outside be like, is this what y'all do all day? It absolutely is. Yep. <laughs> so that's one of the black experiences I enjoy. Yeah. And it's it's the duality of the okay sweatshirt. Right. Oh, yes. Okay sweatshirt. <laughs> Okay, sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> Two different vibes, right? Or like, or the or a... you come out looking cute and it's who you going to see? <laughs> right. Can <Yeah. right. laughs> you just say you like my outfit? Damn. Yeah, <laughs> no. going to see I need to know where you're going. <laughs> Before we go down the list, Paige just reminded me when you brought up games, there's this card game called Culture Karaoke that one of my friends did at a karaoke bar. And it really helps things get going because then it'll be like, you break up into teams and it'll be like each team pick the best R&B song from the nineties and then you guys perform it together. And I did it one time, it was a lot of fun and better than regular karaoke and it makes karaoke black. So it's a good time. (laughs) That kind of reminds me of um, it was an Instagram ad, but it's black owned, and I ended up buying it. But Ox God, have y'all heard of that game? Mm-mm. That game is super fun, especially if you like music and you know, black people always have a song associated with something, and so that's basically what the game is about. Like you have to play a song that is related to the card that you pluck, or whatever. So it could be a genre, it could be a topic, it could be a whole bunch of different things, but you gotta drop the song associated with it. And it's a really cool game, so. Cool. The Black brands that I want to celebrate, I'm not going to say that my favorites, but I do see a particular movement happening. Um, and I don't know if it's just happening in Houston or if it's happening in other places, but there are a lot of uh, Black people starting educational programs. Uh, for instance, um, there's a program called 8 Million Stories out here, and it is a young man who is trying to help children who are not successful in traditional high schools. Um, and he gets them, you know, like just the different certifications, taking the GED test, making sure, you know, they're straight outside of school. Um, there's also a lot of uh, black people in general in Houston starting uh, schools. And I hope to join that club, but shout out to them till I get there. Uh, this includes uh, the Road School, Legacy School of Sports, the Imani School. Like there are a lot of schools and uh, popping up, and you know some of them have been there and established for a while. But those those are the brands that I like to see. That's what's up. The reason I've been holding off is hard to pick. <laughs> it so, is. <laughs> so honorable mention, I'll say uh, thanks to Alex for. Uh, letting us know about the rap life that's what I got on today um and then I use various products by um black companies for like face face wash uh even just try out like toothpaste and stuff like that but I will say um one of the like bigger brands the Mayel Gorn the Mayel products, the avocado milk uh, moisturizer. I think that's like my new favorite thing. That after uh, conditioning plus like a, a oil under a cap and my hair be feeling so soft. Ooh. 
<laughs> well, it looks soft, baby. Okay, girl. Girls for the girls. <laughs> all right, so all of that brand talk um, leads us right into our actual discussion for today. Today we will be having a discussion between Lindsay and Paige, and they will be arguing, do brands only incorporate Black culture to be profitable? going to say it one more time slowly. Do brands only incorporate Black culture? And that's music, um, our vernacular, um, our dances into their market, markets and campaigns simply for profits. All right. Um, Lindsay, you want to get us started? I do. Okay. So now, Black, I mean, not Black brands, brands using black culture is only for profit exhibit a let's go through <laughs> the brands the top brands for the year 2022 number one but you can guess it it's one that reaches everybody not only can you find it at their store you can find it at your local tj maxx ross marshall's big lots uh Burlington Coat Factory, everybody has access. Guess who? Nike, number one brand company for 2022. Then you have Gucci, Louis, the infamous Adidas, which was discussed very excessively over the last few weeks or whenever Mr. West himself, um, you know, said what he said. I, we're not going to go into that. Uh, well, we might go into it later, but not right now. <laughs> Lululemon, Zara, Chanel, H&M, Cartier, and Hermes. I don't have half of these brands, so let's start with number one, Nike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so when you look at Nike, um, they actually have been using Black culture, Black excellence, Black people in sports since 1985. Well, what happened in 1985? Mr. Michael Jordan, okay? Um, I'm, I'm referring to my notes now, okay? So in 1985, Mike, uh, Nike reached out to Michael Jordan, which was, he was, I'm not sure where his career actually started. People, the sports, basketball people don't beat me up, okay? But he is one that got Nike their actual kickoff and one of their biggest profits they had ever seen. Guess how much a sneaker was? $65 in 1985. And in two months, they made $70 million off of this shoe. Okay? 70 mil. Two months. What did they do with that money? What issues were Black people facing in the 80s? Urbanization equal rights, lots of drug abuse, and just the Black economic disparity. I wonder if any of that money went into any of those things impacting the Black community. I'll let you do that research. Now, um, where am I going with this? Oh, so this leaded me to go to their website, okay? I went to the Nike website. I'm like, well, I know 
more recently, they've been tagging on to HBCUs, you know? Uh, you have your other Black athletes who have been a large part of their marketing. Uh, I'm not going to say marketing scheme, but marketing plan, okay? And so even from the Colin Kaepernick's, they were the first people to jump on that. So of course they saw sales go up. Um, they say that Nike's um, marketing, it, it's synonymous with Black athletic achievement and Black excellence. Um, and so back to the HBCU thing. So when Black Lives Matter happened, which then lots of brands started attaching themselves to the Black Lives Matter hashtag, okay? Um, do our lives matter? Absolutely they do. But what are you doing that shows we really do matter? Do you just want my money? So in 2020, Nike promised, guess how much money to Black initiatives, $40 million. But let me tell you how much money they have made in those two years. Hold on, I have to do a screenshot of this, guys. $47 billion, billion. And then they say, oh, we gonna give 40 mil to the black people. <laughs> Excuse me, that's it. And it's 40 million, not for one year. For four years. So they gave out $10 million for four each year for four years. So I think that stops in 2024, guys. So like I told you, I went to their website just to see if they had like, you know, a list of the organizations they support. Well, none of the major ones they support focus on black issues or black people or there's no big thing saying, go to HBCUs, click this, do this. This is what we're doing at these particular schools. At the very bottom, it says other sponsors or other organizations. So guess what's under the, under other organizations? The NAACP and um, <laughs> it was the one talking about Black Girl Ventures. So then, you know, they have the nice picture of all the black people. Yes, black power, black power. It says, you wanna learn more? Well, guess where it takes me? To the NAACP website. So Nike, what are you really doing for black people? It's giving very much surface. And I only use Nike because I too buy Nike, right? Do they get me because they say, oh, look at the Baronet Howard. Dun, 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 dun. No. <laughs> they get me because their shoes are comfortable when I work out at 425 every morning. So I say this to say they are using our culture to gain major profits, baby. Because, oh, here's another scary statistic. Then I'm going to let Paige go, y'all. <laughs> it says, <laughs> guess the uh, African Americans make up 13. Four percent of the U.S. population, and that was based on the 2019 census. But guess who does the most spending, y'all? We do. 48.1 increase. We had the highest increase since the pandemic of people who are spending money with these different brands. Again, we must ask ourselves, what have they done for us lately? I knew it. Okay. Thanks. Ooh, yeah. 
Well, Paige, you've been called out. Go ahead on. Defend yourself. Uh, so first thing I would like to say is that was excellent, Lindsay. It's great to see you back up here at the podium. Um, I have a question for Black people. What do y'all want? What do you want? You said you want representation. You said you want inclusion. You said you want to be seen. Okay, yes, all of these companies have done these things. It seems like they just found out Black people exist after, unfortunately, George Floyd was murdered. Black Lives Matter, as Lindsay mentioned, became a thing. Um, and now, all of a sudden, brands are making 40 shades of makeup. All of a sudden, we're in commercials. All of a sudden, you can buy pajamas with Black Santas on them, which I will be doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it feels like it comes from a place of profit, but to me, this is just a matter of faking it until you make it. Yeah, these brands are fake as F, okay? And we know it, we know it. But this is where you have to start to ultimately get what you want. And once they see, okay, we can put out these Black-led movies like Woman the King, people will come see them. Then we can start to funnel more money into these Black-led uh, productions. Or, okay, we can put these Black makeup brands at the front of our store. People are gonna come and buy them okay, now we can take more chances with other Black-owned companies. We know that this will bring out Black people because this is what Black people have been asking for. This is what they will support. So when we are constantly getting offended by the fact that these companies are only using us for profit, let's ultimately think of what we're getting in the end. I don't have no statistics because I just found out about this five minutes ago. <laughs> so, um, Lindsay, is is it worth is it worth the exposure? That's that's what I gather from Paige. Paige, is that a that an accurate, you know, wrap up? Okay, yeah. Lindsay, is it worth the exposure? Your rebuttal. So, thank you for the exposure, but I really don't think with social media, we really don't. So for me, thank you for the exposure, but we put the we put ourselves out there. We are constantly sharing what's going on in our community, what's happening. And you want to tack on to our cultural experiences. So for me, it's literally a cycle. We black culture is popping. We shit. We've been leading for a very long time. Hence, stuff has been taken from us forever, right? Which is starting from music back in the day to I think I wrote down Ancient Mama and Uncle Ben because that came up a lot when we were going through, I mean, when I was going through my research. The, the end game is the, is the issue for me. It's not exposure. It's not, oh, look, they do have Black colleges that are good. Oh, look, we can put Black Santas on the thing. Oh, guess what, girl? Now we have your shade. You don't have to make your own concoction in the bathroom at home. Like, no, that's not what we need. The thing is, how are you investing back into the community that you're taking from for free? That's the issue. We're making you so much money that you're not 
doing anything with it to support us. And that's all I have. All right, Paige, what you got to say to that? I completely agree with you, Lindsay. I think that where we are making the mistake here is that we're expecting immediate overnight changes. And you have to understand that these are systems that have been built up over the last hundreds of years. So change is not always gonna come in a three year span. So when we're asking for more leadership within companies, we have to understand, once again, unfortunately as black people, we have to prove ourselves. So you might get that one person that comes in in a director role that person can show, all right, Black people, we do do good work, hire more Black people. And then from there, you can help pull other Black people up until it's, you know, becomes a standard thing. I'm currently going through that at my job where I'm walking through the halls and, you know, Three, three Black people might happen to be in the hall at the same time, and now you have someone yelling out, oh, oh, it's the quota, we meet, we meet in the quota, all right, you know, and so by, <laughs> That's by going ridiculous. to my leadership That's and ridiculous. asking them, please, can we have more Black engineers in this building, I feel like I'm slowly opening the door. Now, once again, it might take, my company is 80 years old. It might take another 80 years for us to get what we want. And we have to slowly but surely help these companies get to a place of where we want instead of, okay, they don't understand where the black community is coming from. And this advertisement is uh, a little insensitive. So now we completely cut off this company versus helping them understand where we're coming from. Uh, so really, we're, we're, we just need to learn how to play the long game, the chess game. That's it. <laughs> the game ha has been very long, okay? And I just want to say the question we were answering, what are brands using Black culture only for profit? And my darling, you helped me answer with a big, bad yes. Now, we need to maybe discuss next steps and who are we hiring to sit at the top or what are the companies offering? That would be the next step. Thank you. I'm sorry, I got one more thing to say. <laughs> you talking about profitability, but it's all trickle down, baby. You, you got to start one place to go to the next place, okay? You can't just say it's about profitability and then you talking about we need to give that money back into the community, but there's nobody in the office to say where the community is at. That's <laughs> all I was saying. Oh, okay, but we still making profits, okay. <laughs> Ladies, what a magnificent conversation. I think that might be the best final points we've had all season so far. Um, but the discussion has now come to a close. And uh, I think that we are just about ready to vote. We not finished. <laughs> Go ahead, baby. You got it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You done got the baby to come out. Oh, <laughs> she started with me. I was doing real good. Now I'm trying to do good. <laughs> Relax, T. <laughs> Tana. Trying to speak in my non-accent, which hurts. 
Uh, <laughs> it does hurt. It takes a lot of concentration to not speak like a regular person. Uh, Tana, mm-hmm. we are voting on the argument, not your personal beliefs. We will discuss personal beliefs. So all I need from you is a name. Give me a name. Well, before I answer, I just want to say the last 30 seconds of every debate is the best because things start to fall apart and I really love it. (laughs) That being said, voting not on the arguments, but the arguer, right? We're voting on how well the person argued. I'm voting on the arguer, not which argument I believe in. I'm going to vote for Lindsay as an arguer. Okay. All right. Thank you, Tina. Christy, let me have your vote, please. This was hard, but I also go for Lindsay. Mm. Now, Alana, out of the spirit of you being a person and we really just love you and we want to hear, like your vote, your vote is, is important to us. So Alana, what's your vote? Wow, not that it matters. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I stopped. And I acknowledge you as, as a full voter with all rights and responsibilities. So I would like to hear your name. Well, what is the name? In the essence of voting season, because your votes matter, people. Um, exactly. I actually was going to give my vote to Paige. Paige. Mm. <laughs> 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 Paige was going to get my vote because of closing arguments. So, yeah. Um, I don't get a vote at all, but so that's fine. But uh, this round goes to Lindsay. Congratulations! All right. Um, this sound like the dogs from Boo Boo. That's a big. Oh, (laughs) sorry. Y'all know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Remember. (laughs) Um, on a completely separate, um, but slightly related note. It is voting season, ladies and gentlemen. Alana said it best. Midterm elections and whatnot. I don't know if your state does does early early voting, but if it does, you probably should go ahead on and look into that. We'll see how you can get to the be a part of that. You know, I thought it was very hilarious that grown people love to have that little sticker to say they voted. You know what I'm saying? But anything helps. Go get you a sticker. Go vote. Go click the buttons. Go go make it happen. Um, I want you to start with yes. Um, but you know, your political beliefs are your political beliefs. I want to start with the debaters. I'm actually going to start with Paige. Paige, first and foremost, what is your genuine, um, belief and on the topic? Like, do you think we are only being used solely for profits? Um, what did Michael Jackson <laughs> say? They don't really care about us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hell of a song. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, uh, they don't care. And we are clearly pawns in their bottom line. And uh, I'm still going to buy them black Santa pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, well, what are your genuine beliefs on um, solely being used for profit? Um, I kind of, I agree with both. I think that they care, you know, when they say, I see, I see in Spanish. I think, <laughs> I, think I think they're somewhat, some, some, you can write <laughs> translation though. <laughs> uh, 
That's I see. So listen, listen. I think some brands are catching it or getting on board with actually. Um, I don't even say. I don't know if they really care. But I'm use Target for an example, right? They get black brands, put them in the store. Therefore, you're putting black money into the. I mean, you're putting money into these small businesses, right? And then they also get a platform. So I appreciate Target not necessarily using, say, HBCUs to like be on their front logo, like, oh, look at us, or like Disney World turning Mickey Mouse black, and now it's like, oh, we're at the bed, he could do a split, he could throw his baton, like, they're actually taking designers, um, the, the black people that have their own makeup lines, they're taking those people, putting their brand in, putting their face in, and shaking up things, like, because now you're putting money back into these black designers' pockets, which is what essentially you want to do. With Nike, that money is going back into Nike's pocket. Like, I'm sure Target gets a percentage of these designers, of course. Go ahead, bitch. I just wanted to say that Target has been doing this pre-Black Lives Matter. No, I know. Well, my point is that the companies, so like Ben and Jerry, the companies that have been doing it since before it was trendy, quote unquote, have been doing it the right way versus that was my point I kind of like am split between the middle like some do care and some like actually are just for profit which Mm -hmm. what what else else are they supposed to be for no they should be probably the thing is do they care really about black culture so like you're using our issues you're actually using what's hurting us to make money it's the freedom for me. <laughs> yeah, I saw that t-shirt and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Our vernacular. Wait, is- you're serious? No, it's that that yes. was a Walmart. This was Walmart decorations. Yeah. June <laughs> teeth Walmart decorations. Um, I also missed that uh black Mickey Mouse. <laughs> oh yeah. Wait, wait. wait. So, so they made but with Disney, I'll only speak on Disney. That's what I was gonna mention because you mentioned the the Mickey. Disney is genuinely trying to give back, right? And I'm only speaking on it because a girl who um, I know, she's a Howard alum, but I knew her from Delaware. She started what's called HBC Week. And so it started off small, but like a lot of organizations, big organizations like ESPN and things of that nature have now gotten involved and it started investing in it and it's grown. And basically each year she hosts this HBCU week where it's inviting kids to come and learn about different HBCUs, apply on the spot, you know, learn about scholarships and things of that nature. And it's a great organization, but Disney hosted HBCU week this year. And so a lot of bands from HBCUs came during that week and did a parade, you know, where they normally would have all the characters and stuff. And I think they had Mickey as like a drum major. What's the guy? Yeah, drum major because of that. Mm -hmm. So I think part of that played into that. But there are instances where it's like Juneteenth, as y'all saw, Mm -hmm. you know, the the freedom. no, that watermelon salad that the one uh, museum made, like, come on now, fried chicken and watermelon salad, get out of here in your cafeteria now because it's, you know, you celebrating or honoring Juneteenth, like, don't do that. So there, it, 
the way that corporations can avoid this shucking and jiving, like blowing smoke up our asses when it comes to honoring Black culture is by hiring more Black people and having them sit at the table where decisions are made so that I can call out to you that no, um, Nancy and the rest of Congress, y'all should not show up kneeling with kente cloth, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and dashikis. No, so that is not okay. Like, not I, just having them at the table, but listening. Listening to, to the... them when they have <laughs> stuff to say. Exactly. Yeah. But like, having the right Black people, everybody, all skin folks, <laughs> ain't skin folks. I'm sorry. That was gonna be my point. That was exactly gonna be my point. I would wager money that somebody at Walmart, a black person, said it's the freedom for me is gonna sell out. Okay. And it is about having the right black people. But but what I would like to add to the conversation is that companies who are for profit are supposed to make profit. And so I don't have an issue with companies making profit off of black products, but I think how you do that is more important that you do that. And I think you guys both kind of touched on that, like Target going back to them as being a good example. Like today, everything comes to the light. If I forgot what department store had those $100 bonnets made by that white woman, as if it was a new hair care product <laughs> you are gonna be flamed yes. when people find out when you do these things the wrong way because it comes to the light so it's like if you want to participate in this market of you know the black economy you do have to do it the right way because you will be found out it will come to the light that it's inauthentic and people will flame you and it's going to be even worse you know, and then as far as Nike, like so many good points made with Nike, Lindsay, about how on the one side, they are integral to the black, Nike is part of the black culture, regardless. Yeah. Like they are, they are an institution in the black culture because of the fact that they, their aesthetic is made around catering to black people. If I were to say positive things, it's like when they took all that heat for Bath and Collar and Kaepernick and, you know, people were burning their stuff, Nike did not back down. Mm-hmm. But they're still a corporation. They're still a for-profit corporation. And I feel like the just <clears throat> the, the angst we all feel about Nike is like, they're still going to do corporate things. Mm-hmm. But like, Nike is probably one of the most bought brands by Black. Like, I can't think of another brand that Black people consistently buy more of than Nike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're in our culture regardless. So it's it's hard to call them inauthentic when it is like, it's there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there regardless. I just still think it goes back to the right way and the wrong way. And then the last point, I actually wrote this down, is that I just don't think Black people need white corporations like we used to Mm. and so where our parents or where even we were fighting for a seat at the table before it was critical because the options for another table weren't available Mm. 
the options to make more money weren't available. The options, they, they were so limited. Now it's just like, today's society is an entrepreneur's dream. There are a million ways to make money. And it's just like, if you feel like you're at a company who doesn't get it, you always have an option to fight for what's right. But now you also have an option to simply leave hmm. and or simply not buy somebody's products. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even with the Black Santa thing, that was important because when we were growing up as kids, you like couldn't go into Target and get Black Santa pajamas. Now we have Etsy. Yeah. And hell, you can shop on Instagram if you want. Like yep. there's nothing you cannot find these days. So I just feel like these companies either need to get with it the right way, a sustainable way, if you will, or there's just too many options in America. Like there's nothing you can't find these days. If you Google Black Santa earrings, it's a limitless supply. It might not be at the price or the location that you want, but it's a limitless supply. Like it's cool that Target did it, but we don't need Target to do it. Mm. Keep doing it, Target, and we'll keep supporting it. Like Paige said, I'm they're in my cart right now. <laughs> if they weren't there, I could find them somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like if Target pissed me off, I just simply would just buy it somewhere else. Yeah. There's always somewhere else to go. One, one thing that stuck out in Lindsay's um, argument was the numbers. Lord Jesus, like, don't make a thousand dollars off me and give me a penny. Like, please don't do that. Like, come on. Like, I understand profits won't run the world and it just you know it make it makes your company and you are a corporation and not a nonprofit, but you get enough tax breaks to give me more than a penny all right billions come on come on all right like just beyond doing it right and do it wrong do it with some authenticity do it where you give me enough to at least say that you gave me something because if i go out and make you know, billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. I'm not going to say, all right, here, take this 10,000 or take this 10 million. Like, it's not the same. It's not comparable. And you know for a fact, like, that it was because of us. It, and and I, I do genuinely appreciate Nike. Um, shout out to the Howard alum that worked for Nike mm-hmm. and, and the entire Yard Runners campaign. Um but I just think we, we got to get better at the math. Yes, make your profits by all means. That is literally your entire point. But, you know, if it's not financial, it needs to be opportunities like yard runners. It needs to be opportunities like Target does where they put other people's faces up. Like I haven't seen Nike do that, but they can because there are a lot of young black people on Instagram making money customizing Nike tennis shoes. Great money too. Beautiful, you know, like I I follow a guy and I'm so sorry I don't remember his name, but he did a bunch of homecoming shoes. They were magnificent. Like this um, green and orange um, fam U shoe with the actual Rattler on the side. It was magnificent. He made a Wu-Tang Nike shoe. It was great. Like, so I feel like that could be a next step for Nike, but you have to invest in what what pushes you. Like, if you don't invest in what pushes you, then what are you really doing? Because investing in us would help you in the long run. So yes, beyond the right way and the wrong way to do it, do it with some authenticity. Do it with some good intentions. I think that's what helps the 
genuine profit. So like, yes, we said there, these are profit, um, profit-driven companies. They know that Black people are the higher spenders. So of course, they're going to market towards us. But I think in the conversation, I'm thinking like, are companies being, are you being reactive as a company? Or are you being proactive? So like, I feel like Target, we've seen them like slowly putting more and more like black products um, in their aisles and in the front, even in the front um, display, like as you walk mm-hmm. in, that's the first thing you'll see. And so I know like if I need a black like hair care product or something like that, like I know that I can go to Target and find it. Or are you didn't want to be locked up. Ooh. Right. <laughs> that's that part. Okay. Or um, companies, the ones that are not doing it, I think for the right reasons are being reactive. They're seeing like, okay, we get most of our money, our income from Black consumers. Right now, Black consumers are mad at this one topic. So let's be mad too. Mm. And then like, that is where the rally, instead of like paying attention earlier, early enough to know what triggers us, what's not right as far as um, uh, advertising towards the Black community um, and being proactive in that sense. So in that, I guess we could bring in the Kanye situation here. Mm -hmm. Like, are these companies just reacting because now they're seeing way higher numbers of us being disappointed in his current actions and so in solidarity, they're pulling products. Yeah, in this Kanye situation, I don't think that's the case, big girl. <laughs> I think no. the case is. It's not, it can't be because he's been so flippant at the mouth so many other times. And nothing but, has but, been done. And nothing has been done. Mm-hmm. But as soon as anybody, because it's not just Kanye, but as soon as anybody comes off and is, being accused of or is spewing anti-Semitic anything, that's when actions take place. But somebody on Fox News or somebody um, wherever can, you can find old tweets or current ones with them slinging around the N-word and all they got to do is issue an apology. Mm -hmm. And and you want to know why? Because this is why, if I owned a business and somebody said something about black people and they were making money for me, I was paying them. I would in your contract, I would pay to get out of the contract. I would just simply say, that's fine, but you're not getting my money. And I don't wanna make generalizations about a demographic, but it is my feeling that a lot of Jewish background people are in the position to make the same decision I would make if yes. I was in that position. Yes, agreed. We simply aren't there to make the same decisions. Absolutely. And I'm and not so saying there's anything wrong with that either. Right, baby, I'm not I'm saying there's anything wrong. Record immediately. <laughs> right. I mean? We're just, we're not, we're not capable of making those same decisions. Should those people make those decisions across the board? Probably, and that's a second part to this conversation. But the real thing is, if you know, black people were capable 
of shutting down racism the same way that Jewish people are capable of shutting down anti-Semitic comments, I'm sure they would if they could. I, I just I, don't think that, that reaches that. I, I don't think I completely agree with that because I feel like we are a very forgiving people. And I, I think that I've seen a lot of people rally behind um, people who have made comments about black people um, and say like, oh, this can be an open conversation. You can learn from this. It can be a, you know, whatever, instead of just saying you're done. That here. wasn't okay. Yeah, that's fair. But I think that's also a power thing. Like you cannot name one ecosystem that we have that we could shut people down. If I have the power to shut that conversation down and control both sides of the conversation, I hear what you're saying. We're more fractured group where we have people in our community that have different opinions. But if you were that powerful, you could control people's opinions more. Because everybody might not care about Kanye West's opinion, but the people in power felt enough to make a statement of no one else needs to do what he did. So we're going to do X, Y, and Z to make a point. But Lindsay already said that we technically were one of the most powerful groups because at 13% in the country and we spend the most money, we are horrible at coming together and saying we're going to do X, Y, Z, right? And so not since um, the boycotts, what is the term for what they did with the buses? When they stopped riding the, the buses, bu the boycott? Yeah, it was the, boycott. yeah. So the boycotts from when they stopped riding the buses down south, they were able to make a change, right? Nike or H and M puts craziest monkey on the playground or whatever on a black kid's shirt. Oh, I still really want these jeans. Like, do you really want these jeans, or do you yes, care about the monkey on the shirt? That's not an apples to apples comparison. Because I think that the difference here, and I really feel like I need to stop using a Jewish example. I'm feeling uncomfortable with that. I'm just going to say like, if you, if I had a group of friends who are business, let's say we all own six different businesses and we were all offended by the same person. And between us, we each had a million customers. And let's say that someone said something offensive against black women. What you're saying, Paige, is that between us, we have 6 million customers who could hold us accountable for not doing business with someone who offended our community. But what I'm saying is, but we're the six people. And so now it's like the difference of six people having to make a decision versus 3 million people having to make a decision. And so when you, and so the, I guess I, I feels like I'm losing you guys in this example, but my point is because there are people of different demographics, higher up capable of making these decisions, it doesn't require the commitment of mass amount of people to make a decision. It requires a couple people being pissed off to make a decision. But and you, so it's like, it's just like in the boycott example, it's like, Every so then it's like every time somebody does something offensive to black people, it's like you know, 13% of however many millions of Americans have to rally together, have to agree on the same cause to get the same result 
versus in the examples that we're seeing with these companies, it's like, how many, how many people do you guys think were involved in the decision of cutting ties with Kanye West? 10 max. 10 per company. I think what page, and if but, 70 companies in it, that's 70 people. But I think Tina, I'm I'm sorry. I think the issue here with what you're saying is like nobody is going to care about you more than you, right? And this goes back to what I was saying in my argument about we are not at the top. We cannot make those decisions. And so if you have non-black people at the top who don't care about yeah. black people, don't have black people in their lives. And it seems like you're still buying my stuff. I don't care. Yeah. And so if we are those 6 million customers, then we do have to do something. Mm -hmm. If it's going to take us telling you this is offensive. I'm not saying, I think that we're, we're like arguing the same thing and getting to different conclusions. It's like, we're talking in the sense that like, I'm agreeing with you that it's like, because we're not at the top, we're not able to make these decisions. But what I'm saying is that as, as a consequence of that, I think it's harder for black people to get these things pushed through because it's like, it takes more effort from more people. It takes a coordinated effort. The bus boycott was not short. It was like damn near a year and people had to help each other and people had to rally each other just to get a seat on the bus. And that was a significant effort. Like how many different ways are black people supposed to do that? To hold these different companies accountable. And it, I'm not, I, and so I guess my point is just that it's not that easy. Like the way I heard you communicating, it was just kind of like, well, if black people aren't doing like stopping these corporations by not paying, then nothing's gonna happen. And we used to do it and we don't do it now. But it's like, I think that that is a huge, huge undertaking to like completely change how people spend their money to hold someone accountable every time someone does something racist is all I'm saying. It is, but I feel like it's a combination of a lot of things that you guys have said. So number one, the seat at the table and having the right people at the table. So if you just have one black person in those 10 people, I still feel like it'll be hard to have your voice heard and then also knowing what it goes through for us to get to that table, mm. if we're outnumbered, are we still going to be as vocal in our opinions or are we going to start letting certain things slide because we don't want to lose that position mm. or because we feel like we're outnumbered in that opinion? And then I feel like it has to be a comb combined effort. So not just one, having somebody at the top, but two, having us, I believe could make an impact if we if we were still more like consistent and able to like stay stay on a topic for a longer period of time, mm -hmm. then we could uh, make some impact from essentially the bottom up as well. Like like you, uh, I think Paige said, like if I know um, this many people are buying from me they seem to care about this topic because right now they're not buying from me anymore, then that does hurt the business. And that will cause some type of uh, insight or like 
maybe some type of small change um, at the top. And then, oh Lord, I had too many topics, now I'm losing it. <laughs> I, I guess my thing is, Black people can't stick to a community. People in general. We can speak about Black people in general, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, in this particular situation, like, it would be great if someone offends Black people, and it is offensive, and we all in solidarity say, you know what? Like with H&M. Mm-hmm. You got this Black baby rolling around with this Black, I mean, this monkey on their t-shirt. You didn't think anybody, you know what I mean? Didn't think like, maybe we should have gone about it that way, a different way, right? And so in that moment, it was a big deal. And it was a, let's boycott H&M. But like Paige said, <laughs> They got a sale and I really like how their jeans fit. So let me just order this one thing. Like we can't resist the temptation to commit to something and and see it through. We we cannot do it. I think it's it's not just black people. So I'll use a recent thing. So the January 6th fight, uh, it came out in the wash that um, one of the owners of Rouse's, which is a neighborhood grocery store like HEB in in uh, New Orleans, was there and like he was on video doing making a lot of comments and saying a lot a lot. He was doing the most. So the city of New Orleans boycotted him. I want to say for about three months. It's not easy boycotting. He is a good, like Rouse's has great product, great prices. They are connected to a lot of local farmers. It's literally the H-E-B of Louisiana. It wasn't, and it it lasted, I, I, I don't want to say, you know, exactly how long it lasted, but it lasted a long time, but it hurt a lot of people. And so it's not as easy, like, yeah, it's easy to not buy jeans. You can go get jeans from wherever, but boycotting is not as simple as it seems specifically when it's something like groceries and you live in a food desert and the only thing is rouses so it's not just black people that have a problem with boycotting because did they get change absolutely not that is a family owned they are not changing rouses that's the family that's who they are but what they did do is they you know eventually got one of the other family members to apologize like on the news or something like that. So, you know, that's what my point is, boycotting is not easy for many groups of people. And it's much harder from the bottom than it is from the top. It's, and it's not easy because there are so many other things to consider. So like, when you think about the boycott, these people knew that it could eventually impact their jobs, impact their livelihood, impact, just going to jail, like so many things. I know that I've had conversations with people who are like, when you when it comes to even talking up in the workplace, they won't because the first thing they say is, I don't want to lose my job, right? Because you want to be secure for your family. So a boycott is not easy, especially because of planning, but you also have to be so committed to the issue that you know that, okay, I may have to end up living with my best friend, but we gonna ride it out. This is the issue I'm fighting for. Like they depended on each other. We're so isolated in our own lives 
that we cannot stand together. And I think that's the thing is you have to know that when you put up these fights, even to people have these different things in their contracts too. Like as a teacher, I can't even show like with my things and I'm like, you can't show like I'm protesting this particular thing. Like, or you can't vote. And I wonder where they, when they started adding those things because that goes back to our history. Cause we, I feel like we will stand up, but your livelihood, because so many of us are, I'm not gonna say live check to check, but we budget and we know what we need to do. And everything now is so spread out. I feel like going back to our conversation before the black cocoon that has broken up several things and people are not as tight. You cannot get to your immediate family as quickly as you can, or you may have to do like lifestyle changes life has changed since the boycott right so there's so many things that come perspective when you're going to stand for something and stand firmly on it i feel like jewish well okay so many other cultures are solid in their communities they they know that if i lose my job i can call my neighbor and they can give me a job or they know somebody who can give me a job like Mm -hmm. It's just different. I think that we can do, we can do it because I saw when Black Lives Matter happened. Um, I don't think it's so far, but also when Black Lives Matter happened, we were all being still in the moment, right? It was the pandemic. So you did not have to worry about your day to day. Like, not saying you didn't have to worry, but we weren't with the hustle of life, yeah. right? It was, we were still in the moment. So we can rally. I think there are just other factors that play into it. Lindsay, you bring up such a good point and I've talked about this before in a different group which is I think that Black Lives Matter was a perfect sequence of events and it probably wouldn't have happened otherwise with Black people being more impacted by COVID and the lack of access to health care Black people being laid off more Black people just like that the pandemic just really highlighted socio, social, economic, and racial disparities. And when the George Floyd murder happened, it was like enough is a damn enough America. And in the absence of being kicked over and over and over again, I think that people are more willing to take a punch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you can only hit somebody so many times before they hit back, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that those, the the coordinated effort was a hit back, right? Like you can't, can't you hitting me? And to Paige's point about not getting together, I think it's the reason why it's hard to coordinate the amount of people you need to coordinate behind an issue is because, oh, I don't even want to say it, but it's like, people are doing, some people are doing well enough to not want to mess it up. Sounds selfish. right like I didn't even want I don't even want to say it that way but it's like yeah it's like Mm -hmm. life sucks but I'm paying my rent so I got to keep that rent now if you had just been evicted it's kind of like well fuck it let's go baby yeah 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 yeah, yeah. to what both of y'all are saying yeah it's like back back in the days like 60s even before that like there were so many liberties that we already did not have so it's like what's the worst that could happen like what what else am I going to lose I've already don't have much 
And then, like you said, with the stillness of COVID, it's like, there's already, um, like both of y'all said, there's already so many things knocking me down. Like, where, how much lower can I go? Like, this is a risk I can actually take. But as things start opening up, as we start getting more and more of our liberties back, it becomes harder. Um, I will say though, like there are communities out here, like especially, well, I just know in Atlanta at least, like there are communities out here able to like, um, like communicate, band together, like um, black owned farms that are, or like co-ops that are giving out food, like, or um, networks to go to see like, you know, more black owned products in different areas of our life that we use. So like, it's not totally impossible. Um, I think that, and I, I know I missed the like cocoon episode, but back to that just idea, I think that we work so hard to basically get what others in America had that we find ourselves further and further away from our communities. And so they like you crazy. So it's like we just have to, and I think um even though there was so many like things that hurt us in the past two, three years. Like, I feel like we still, it was a great opportunity, if you will, for us to see that like, we can band together. We can communicate more, even though we're separated out, like we can call on people, you know? Um, we don't have to do at it alone, um, but yeah. Oh, this is good. Very good. Any other final thoughts on brands and profits? <laughs> All right. Well, that has been another episode of It's a Debate. Please catch us on Instagram and 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 all of the lovely uh, podcast platforms such as Spotify and Apple Music. Um, and besides that, Apple you know, Music. Yeah, we on Apple Music, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. They cousins, it's cool. I can so, drop a track and get us on there. Y'all really want me to. Not with wow. the vocal talent in this room. I don't think. I don't think that's it. You wow. Magnificent intellects. Wow. But God didn't really bless y'all. You know what I'm saying? To go ahead on and sing in that choir. You, you just in the crowds. It don't matter. Anyway, this has been another episode <laughs> of It's a Debate. And we want you to have a beautiful and blessed day. Yes. Bye-bye. Peace. <laughs> <Dinner. laughs>